So more jobs in America, that's good news. Plus, Joe Biden has got his infrastructure bill over the line. And a treatment pill for COVID from Pfizer. All good news, although not a huge response in the market. Certainly not a uh, risk-on environment just yet. And bond markets are still wrapped up in a ball of confusion. Plus, China's trade data over the weekend. A quick squiz at Friday's statement of monetary policy from the RBA. And this week, well, US inflation and Aussie jobs. It's Monday, the 8th of November, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, ball of confusion is what we're calling today's episode. Just showing my age uh, for those of you who remember the temptations, uh, what the world is today. Uh, Friday, didn't see a lot of currency moves. The US dollar did lose 0.3% to the Japanese yen. The euro was up about 0.1%, but that was about it. The Aussie dollar hanging around the 74 cent mark. Uh, although the big moves were in bond yields. 10-year treasuries in the US were down 7 basis points, down 9 in the UK to 0.84%. 30 years were down 13 basis points on Friday. And we've got falls in yields across most of Europe as well. Shares, though, meanwhile, continue to rise higher, up to new highs, oblivious to everything else. Friday saw a 0.6% gain in the Dow, the S&P up 0.4%, the Nasdaq up 0.2%, and we've got big rises in Europe as well, with the Eurostox 50 up 0.7%, the FTSE 100 up a third of 1%, and oil prices are climbing again, a 2.7% rise in Brent, bouncing back from Thursday's low. So, let's get the lay of the land this Monday morning with Tapas Strickland from NAB in Sydney. I mean, first of all, Tapas. I mean, it's largely been good news, hasn't it? I mean, non-farm payrolls was good. Joe Biden's got his infrastructure bill over the line, but no rise in the US dollar. Uh, It feels a bit risk-off, really, but um, maybe that's about to change today. But uh, what's the story? I mean, it's it's, a bit of caution and confusion, really, isn't it? Good morning, Phil. I think confusion is probably the best word to use there. And really, Mm. it's confusion within rates markets. So since late September um, from and early October, um, central banks had become a little bit more on the hawkish side. And so you did see yield curves flatten in that environment, and uh, that did wrong foot a lot of investors. And then in the past week, uh, central banks have become, you'd have to say, a little bit more more dovish and a little bit more circumspect just in regards to how much markets were pricing in terms of, of rate hikes. And what really was a catalyst for a lot of the nervousness is what came out of the Bank of England on Thursday, where they held rates against expectations of them uh, lifting. And that seems to be still ricocheting uh, across markets. So while you note that US payrolls was actually quite strong with payrolls up 531,000 and there mm. were also 235,000 in revisions there, um, you yeah. actually saw US bond yields fall. And that was mainly because you did see a sizable fall in UK guilt yields. And it does seem like uh, investors are still having to cover short positions um, that they had taken in regards to a more um, like central bank moves. With- within the Bank of England. I mean, the governor and their chief economist don't exactly seem to be seeing eye to eye on it, do they? Yeah, the Bank of England prior, prior to Thursday's meeting almost seemed in unison towards the rate hike camp, but now they've become a little bit more, bit more circumspect as well. So Governor Bailey uh, said the MPC won't bottle it in hiking if necessary in December, but Chief Economist Hugh Peel sounded a lot more cautious in saying he feared higher rates would damage the recovery from the pandemic in a misguided attempt to clamp down on short-term price pressures. And I think what is starting to change some of the views within the UK MPC is some of the softening of the data in the UK, which suggests activity is adjusting to lower 
potential output and therefore you may not need those rate hikes mm. um, or as much in terms of rate hikes as needed as, as prior and maybe it's better off waiting for a little bit more data just to see how the economy is faring just given the rise in inflation and that's also what fellow MPC member Tenrao was also saying as well. But if that is driving uh, bonds in the United States as well, isn't it a bit of the tail wagging the dog? Because because the, the you know the, the story is the opposite in the United States, isn't it? So non farm payrolls was very good, and and interesting, you know, that actually if we look at private jobs versus uh, public sector jobs, uh, the private sector seventy three thousand less people on government payroll, six hundred and four thousand more on private payroll. So. Uh, you know, if the, if the government employed a few more people, it would be even better than it was. But on top of that, we've got uh, the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill passed over over the weekend as well. And uh, consumer credit was looking good as well. So it's all, you know, it's all looking good news in the United States. So we're going to see a bit more optimism, perhaps, and some, uh, some movement in bond yields today, do you think? In regards to the U.S. jobs data, it was undeniably strong. And it does suggest the U.S. is moving past the Delta outbreak there and mm. as well as the headline payrolls print you also had the unemployment rate falling by by two tenths to 4.6 percent and wages growth still very strong with average hourly earnings at 4.9 percent year on year and in regards to uh, when the fed could achieve its maximum employment kind of mandate uh, at the current trend payrolls pace of around 450,000, it will take about nine months so you're basically mm. getting there by july 2020 2022. And so that definitely keeps alive the possibility of multiple rate hikes in the second half of 2022. And when you look at market pricing, markets fully price the first Fed rate hike uh, between July and September and a follow-up one um, towards the end of the year there. So US rates markets are still pricing in the chance of the Fed um, hiking rates in the second half of next year. And that is in contrast. And the contrast is starting to grow um, in regards to what other central banks are doing there. Uh, in terms of um, whether this is the low point in rates or not, uh, it's, it's it's very unclear. I think liquidity is a little bit thin. Um, and I think we still may need a few more days to play out just to see um, how the impact of this surprise BOE move on Thursday has actually ricocheted through markets. Right. And the infrastructure bill, I mean, it's a slug of money, isn't it? But we've said before that it's uh, it's it's spread over a certain period of time, isn't it? It's not like a, a sudden injection of $1.2 trillion that we're going to feel in the economy uh, in, the, in the next 12 months. But that, that consumer credit number, 8.3% uh, up year on year for September. So there's got to be confidence, you know, unless it's people borrowing because they have to, but I don't think that's the case. That shows that there's some confidence. And of course, that is new money being pushed into the economy. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. So that, that should help alleviate some of the concerns around the consumer. And later this week, we get another preliminary read of the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Report. And it's just worth noting, since August, that report has absolutely cratered. And so the expectations are for a little bit of a bounce back there. Um, also, probably helping um, sentiment as well on Friday in terms of equities was a uh, it was a fairly bullish report by Pfizer uh, that mm. noted its latest COVID drug used in combination with a HIV drug cut the risk of hospital hospitalization by 89%. So that's quite a large reduction in hospitalization uh, just just through uh, an effective uh, drug there. Uh, and um, there was some, also some fairly bullish remarks from a Pfizer board member who said by January 4, this pandemic may be well be over and uh, that will be moving into the endemic phase of the virus. And so what you have seen is a massive surge in reopening trades in the US. So the broader Russell 2000 was up 1.4% and over the week it's up uh, an incredible 6.1%. It's the news the travel industry wants to hear as well, of course, isn't it? You know, I mean, if because this is a game changer, isn't it? If you know that you can, you know, if you get it, there's a treatment to stop you getting it really badly. 
uh, and I think the evidence is it's you know it's 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 very significant the effectiveness of that. So that really does change behaviour. So uh, let's look closer to home then. Uh, the RBA statement on monetary policy over the week. Um, that stays with the the likelihood that a rate rise in Australia won't happen until 2024, but it doesn't rule out 2023, does it? No, and I think that was the interesting thing out of the statement of monetary policy. So not much was really expected, just given Governor Lowe had spoken quite extensively mm. on Tuesday. And while he did say on Tuesday um, the possibility of a hike in 2023, he didn't really say whereabouts in 2023 that could have been. And when you look at the forecast scenarios and where inflation is under the upside, uh, it would suggest that liftoff is in the early part of 2023 and that it would be consistent with the series of relatively aggressive rate hikes. Um, now, of course, that's only the RBA's upside scenario, so they're still guiding towards uh, 2024 there. Um, as for NAV's view, uh, we see the RBA lifting rates uh, from about mid-2023, uh, uh, and we also see the RBA scrapping their QE program at, at February next year. So they've got less to look at, haven't they, really? I mean, in many parts of the world, it's a question of inflation and employment employment's doing okay generally in Australia it really is just the inflation question isn't it and where, and where that's going to take us and there's a huge difference in expectations in the short term between householders and, and economists and other interested parties just showing in Australia we are as confused as everyone else in the rest of the world as to where this is all going. Uh, definitely and uh, while over the next few quarters you could see higher core inflation just given retailers are likely to pass on some of the supply chain uh, cost pressures there. Further out, the inflation story in Australia still remains relatively un- unclear there. And it's exactly, uh, sorry, it's, it's still unknown exactly how tight the labour market needs to get in order to lift wages growth uh, towards that 3% plus rate that the RBA thinks is consistent with the 2 to 3% inflation target. And just on that, uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison on Friday um, just reported after National Cabinet that he's planning to allow foreign workers to come in uh, before Christmas. And so uh, you could actually start to see a faster resumption in migration, particularly amongst the the skilled and the working holiday visa classes. And that does have the potential to help alleviate uh, some of those emerging labor shortages within the economy. And so you may not actually get um, that full upward momentum in wages pressure as uh, perhaps we had been thinking. Uh, And then the other one just worth noting in terms of Australia is um, the press reporting um, some uh, well-sourced uh, politicians uh, saying that the next federal election is likely to be held in May next year uh, and mm. that the Morrison government is preparing to fight that poll on the expected uh, economic bounce back. That's a lot later than some were expecting. I mean, there was a question, wasn't there, about whether he'd actually call an election before Christmas. So it sounds like that's not going to happen now. Look at the uh, the record trade surplus for China over the weekend. Exports were up 27.1%, more than expected. Uh, imports were up 20.6%, which is still a lot, but 25% was the expected number. Uh, but um, th- th- there are some worries going forward, aren't there, still about supply chain difficulties, particularly, we've talked about it so many times, this zero COVID policy. They had 764 new infections on Sunday, apparently. So, And each one of those can lead to a shutdown somewhere. Uh, yes, the zero COVID policy is definitely proving problematic in China. It's still very unclear exactly when they'll pivot away from that. And we've been talking for some time in this call uh, about the Chinese government rolling out booster shots, and it may not be until after those booster shots are fully rolled out that they do contemplate easing up on those uh, internal virus restrictions there. And that does have the potential to continue to disrupt global supply chains for longer there. So the potential mm. for uh, this long trend industry impact on inflation uh, 
is is very real and uh, could persist a, a bit longer than most people are thinking out there as well. Well, the Central Committee from the Communist Party in China are meeting for for most of this week as well. So I'm not sure whether that's going to um, bring any news and whether you know that's the sort of thing we'll discuss. I guess we'll see. But uh, lots of Fed speakers out in force this week. What is going to be interesting is a discussion on monetary policy, the Fed versus the ECB, uh, the uh, the Brookings Institute in Washington, the Fed's Richard Clarida. Alongside Philip Lane, chief economist at the ECB, and Ben Bernanke and Bill Dudley from the New York Fed, a, a, a cast of uh, of the stars uh, happening there. I wonder whether we'll get anything out of that. Oh, I, I, I'm not sure whether we'll get too too much uh, out of in terms of exact uh, policy implications for now. What we do know is that uh, the US Fed is uh, very keen on getting towards that maximum employment kind of mandate and that they're happy to wait uh, until probably about mid next year Um, and on the current pace of payrolls uh, you'd have to say mid next year is probably about right in terms of when they could be expected to reach maximum employment uh, in terms of that Uh, just worth noting that uh, former new york fed president dudley he's definitely on the hawkish side and he thinks central banks will go quite aggressively because they'll be well behind the curve just given they're waiting for actual inflation to be in target and also to be at maximum employment. Uh, in th- that environment, um, inflation expectations could easily lift quite quite um, high. And so his argument is when the Fed goes, it'll have to go quite aggressively. Yeah, well, I guess if we see that inflation is still rising, even as supply chains are fixed, but we see inflation rising because demand is still there, then that, that is a very clear path, isn't it? It's just while there's a question mark about how much the price is rising because of the supply chain difficulties. Oh, definitely. And when you uh, look at most central bank speeches, and the Fed's George was out uh, on Friday as well, and she's on the hawkish side, and even she believes that um, the economy and consumers will start to pivot away from goods, which have seen most of the prices pressure, and towards services as we as we start mm. to reopen there, and that will help alleviate some of the global supply chain pressures on, on the good side and, and should help alleviate some of the pressures in, in terms of prices. And um, some indicators in terms of retail sales are noting that you're starting to see a fall away in sales for furnishings and household equipment in a number of countries, uh, including in Canada and the UK. But all of this is rather circular, so you don't really know whether that's also due to supply chain issues itself um, but it does seem to suggest there is that pivot starting to occur at the very very early stages away from goods and more towards uh, and more towards services all right even more confusion in other words so uh look two words inflation and jobs we get both of those today in the u.s we get uh, not today but this week i should say uh, and we'll talk about it later in the week because we've got more time to do it then but we've got u.s cpi and the Australian labour market report as well. Uh, they're the big numbers this week, I guess. Oh, definitely. And uh, US CBI all eyes on that, really, and just to see whether mm. there has been a broadening in price pressures. And just worth noting, the alternative core trim mean measure has started to pick up noticeably in the last couple of months in the US. That does suggest maybe inflation pressures are becoming slightly broader there. As for Australia, the employment figures for October, we're expecting um, a fairly sharp bounce there, um, 80,000 jobs. Just worth noting, though, it's only really the first week of reopening that it captures in yeah. New South yeah. Wales. So in some res- so in some respects, this data is, is dated. And um, when you look at more leading indicators of the labour market, such as seek job ads, they've risen quite strongly over the past couple of months. So we would expect further gains to occur from here. Picking the exact timing of that recovery within the official data is a little bit uncertain, but we're pretty confident that we're going to get a very sharp recovery in the labour market. 
All right. Very good. Uh, good to talk again. Catch you very soon. Thanks, Tapas. Cheers. Thanks, all. And there we are. That is Monday morning's edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.